What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 201. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how's it going, buddy? Good. Um, wife and I celebrated nine years being wow. married just yesterday. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. So yeah, nine years. It did. That went by quick. Um, I guess, uh, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So yeah, that makes sense. Nine years ago. Let's see. I was a senior in high school nine years ago. <laughs> Um, I was not, <laughs> I, I was out of high school for a while at that, that point, but not like crazy long, right? There's what yeah. a 10 year gap between us. Yeah. I was just uh, trying to think, I was doing quick math in my head, trying to be like, okay, where was I in 2012? Yeah, that's right. 2012 was a one what a year that was, but yeah, so that's, what's new with me. What's new with you? Not too much. It was a very nice day at work today because the first thing when I got to work, I saw the security guard and he is a big Islanders fan and we both had huge smiles on our face. So we were having a great day to start at 9 a.m. That sounds amazing. Just to be like, what's up? We know what happened. Yeah, like oh. I, I opened the door to, to enter and he, he looked up and saw it was me and just immediate. We both of us just smile and we talked. I mean, we talked for like 10 minutes. I was probably a little bit late because I was in the front talking to him for 10 minutes about the game. But yeah, I, I mean, super pumped up as uh, we have a lot to get into into this episode, right, Mitch? Yeah, there's a lot to look at. So I think we got to start with the game yesterday, right? Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at it, last we left off was after game two, but we got an instant reaction to the game yesterday. Usually we record on Wednesdays, but due to there being a game on Wednesday, we pushed it back and luckily this is what happened. So just a, a, an overtime thriller to force a game seven. Are you kidding me? Like, can you script it any better? And like they broke at least one narrative, right? So uh, of course, if you want a detailed breakdown of the game, head over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash eyes on for five bucks a month. You get these detailed breakdowns immediately after the game. You get even more content. You'll get to see us in video afterwards. Mailbags, we're going to do that later. Just a ton of stuff going up there. But if you want 
post-game content, get it there, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. But yeah, game six ended with like, so the narrative they broke is the first team, the team who scores first in this series typically wins. And Tampa scored first, but they didn't win, damn it. The Islanders said, no, no more of that stupid narrative. We will win, damn it, even if we don't score first. Right, and the Islanders actually found themselves down two goals, 2 nothing in the second period. Uh, luckily, they responded relatively quick. It was only like two minutes after the second goal that they got there first. But, I mean, not going to lie, sweating it out a little bit there in, in the second and the third. If anyone said, like, I knew they were going to do it when they're down 2 nothing." I want to know. I want to take a lie detector test because that is a flat out lie. No shot. There's no one on earth who thought like two nothing. No problem. No one. Not even Barry Trotz. And he's like Captain Confidence. Right. I will say. So in the first period when they were down one nothing, I was my confidence level was definitely knocked down a peg. But I thought they played in like a pretty good first. And I thought, okay, if they play a similar style of game, like how they went in the first, like this is how they want to play. There wasn't too many like odd man rushes. Like we saw a million of those in game five. I'm sure we'll get into that (laughs) in a little bit. And this just recapping what the storylines from game three through game six, where we left off. Um, But then after the second goal, that one was off a rush. And I was just like, with how Vasilevsky was playing at the time, not feeling too hot, Mitch. I, I was, I went to a little depressive state. Yeah. As everyone probably did. I, I, again, I can't imagine there's anyone on the Island or off wearing blue and orange. who thought with the second that Sorelli scores, we're good. We're fine. No, specifically by the way he scored that goal, right? Like beat Ryan Pollock off the rush. Like he was a pylon and stuffed at five fall and Varlamov. And you're going, and, and half the game had been played at this point, right? It's 12 minutes into yeah. the second period. And you're going, I don't see how they're going to score two. Again, not impossible, but they're going to have to get one before the second period ends. Sure enough, they did. Uh, but but looking at that moment when Sorelli scores, yeah, confidence, bottom. bottom. And they, they had scored, what, 12 in a row on us? Yes. Right? 12 unanswered goals? That's insane. Right. And we didn't get to, but... The Islanders didn't score on a five on three. They had a you know a power play opportunity. Uh, they had how many chances where they threw the puck like through the crease and just like it bounced over someone's stick. Like it just felt like one of those nights where just they didn't have any puck luck. Uh, to quote our old friend of the show, Jack Amuano. Um, So yeah, confidence level wasn't great, but then Eberle scores. He desperately needed that. Scott Mayfield scores. Not that he's a big time scorer and that he needed it, but. I mean, cross checks galore earlier than that it was probably nice for him to save himself a little bit, even though he didn't call for any of those. And then Anthony Beauvillier, who hasn't scored in like a year and a half, it felt like, <laughs> finally gets one to go. His first since what game one of the Boston series? I believe that's yeah. correct. That's right. Yeah, it felt like forever. It was nine games, I think, without a goal. That's a lot of time for. <laughs> how do how do I want to say this? For Anthony Beauvillier, that that is long. But what that means is, or should mean, based off of his career, is he's entering a hot streak. And if that's the case, and we're going into Game 7 with Anthony Beauvillier on fire, look the hell out, Tampa Bay. It's already hot in there, but it's going to hit 120 just because Bo landed in Florida. Right, and that's the thing. We know he's a very streaky player, and he has the ability to take over a game. He's not as skilled as... You know, Matthew Barzell, and we saw him really take over in the third period of game six, and he gets the recognition, which, you know, makes sense. But when Bo is on these kinds of hot scoring streaks, like 
Would you bat an eyelash if he, you know, put it popped in two in like the first period or something crazy like that? No, right? Not at all. And the thing with Bo is that you're right. He's not as skilled necessarily as Barzell, but holy hell does he work hard. Yes. And, and when he does that, when he's on that game and he's feeling it like he was last night, production's going to come and it's going to come quick and it's going to come consistently until eventually it falls off for whatever reason and then he can't find a scoring touch for 20 years um but he's on it now it seems uh so if the islanders can ride that or, or sorry if he can ride that wave of confidence going into game seven and and i don't want to say anyways i want to leave it at that i don't want to yeah yep. if they can ride that going into game seven there's a lot the Islanders can could definitely pull out a win Absolutely. And I in the next segment, we're going to get into game seven and what they need to do kind of a thing. Uh, but just to you know recap, because where we left off, it was only after two games. So we do have uh, four games to get into a little bit. Um, they split two and two. There, there was the one of the losses was a tight game that you really weren't too down about. They lost two one, but then you had the clunker at eight nothing. So like what what happened? What went wrong? I don't know what went wrong with the clunker. It, it didn't make any sense, specifically with the way they played the game before that, right? They played pretty well, uh, but they th- they let it slip at the end, right? So they're up 3 nothing, were they not, after the yeah. second period. They allowed two, so they pull out the win. You're going, all right, we pull out a gutsy win. Ryan Pollock saves Save a day. Year, yeah. And then you're like, all right, we should be riding high. The momentum should be high for us. We're going to Tampa. We should be able to pull out. Not we have to not we we should pull out a win sorry we could pull out a win if we ride this momentum properly and they didn't do any of that or they came in way too high on themselves in game three or sorry game five like way too high on themselves and then tampa's like lols what are you well why are you riding high we're a pretty damn good team if you remember correctly and they popped eight past us yeah and that's the thing it was such a jarring difference because Usually, remember how bad the storyline before like the Alan Quine game was, was just how bad the Islanders were in game fives, and then they finally broke that curse. And then this year, so in game five against Pittsburgh, they won in double overtime. That was the Casey Sezikis game. And then in game five against Boston, they won the 5-4 game, that wild game. So it was like, okay, maybe they're flipping the script on this, and then just an absolute egg their were probably worst game of the season i don't think that's a, a stretch to say oh yeah, no uh, I, if anyone thinks otherwise i would like them to watch the tape again because it was atrocious from start to finish not only were they conceding goals on broken plays that they themselves created uh, but they were getting goals scored on them by their own hand basically right andy yep. green deflected a puck not even deflected i think that's generous like guided, <laughs> guided a puck yeah. into his own net, basically accidentally. Of, of course. course, it wasn't Braden Coburn again, not Braden Coburn, Brandon Davidson. There you Sorry, go. mixing them up. Wrong, wrong tank god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just everything went wrong for them. They, they couldn't play a solid blue line. They couldn't mark up. They couldn't gap up. They couldn't do anything. The goalies couldn't stop a beach ball. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Islanders. Uh, in game five. Yeah, w- without a doubt. It was awful. I think in the first 15 minutes, they allowed eight odd man rushes. They don't do that over a three-game span, let alone 15 minutes. No, they allowed eight high-danger chances in that first period. They typically allow eight in a game in these playoffs. Yeah. 50% of their 
of their games these playoffs are eight or fewer high danger chances against. They allowed that many in one period. Oh, bad. Right, and it, and it got ugly quick. They pulled Semyon Varlamov. None of the goals were on him. Ilya Sorokin wasn't great, but it wasn't his fault either. The team in front of them just was so, so bad. And again, worst game of the season was game five. But it goes to show you, momentum doesn't always carry over. No, you're right. For both sides, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the Islanders had the momentum coming into five, and then they didn't have it going into six. Uh, and, and right, both teams kind of, you know, fed Flip-flopped, off yeah. the anti-momentum, I guess. I don't know what the word is for anti-momentum, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, which, I guess, kind of scares me going into game seven, where we have the momentum. Ooh, boy. Yeah, I don't... See, to me, Game 7 is such a clean slate that you throw everything out the window. So I don't think either team really has momentum right now. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to... I know we're, we're kind of transitioning towards it, but like I'm not looking forward to Game 7 because it's going to feel like 60 minutes of overtime to me. Yes, yes, literally yes. Last night was only a minute and change, and that felt like forever, Mitch. Well, because we also had the five minutes before that, right? Oh so, God. like, Matt Martin takes a penalty, kind of, not really. And so, yeah, Scott Mayfield ties it. But after that, next goal wins, even if it's regulation. So that was pure stress. And then, like I said, they go on the PK, and you're going, oh, my God, we're going on the PK. They already allowed one, right? Sorry, allowed. There was already one penalty called against the Islanders. So now we're at the two. This is a 50% basically power play. That's all they need. Yeah, you can't do this. So like, it was really, really stressful for six, seven minutes a game. Now we're going into a game where it's sixty minutes of stress. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, it's going to be very high intensity. And do you want to transition into that, or do you want to get more into the what happened over these four games here? No, I think we can transition to Game Seven. Everyone's kind of caught up as to where we are and what happened. Um, we don't need to relitigate some of the things that took place in game six. If you want, head over to the Patreon if you want to relitigate it yourself or just go to Twitter. It's still yeah. raging. The fire is still burning over there. Absolutely. So Islanders going on the road in Tampa. Now in this series, they won game one, two to one. But then in the other two games, a four to two loss and then the eight nothing loss. So very three very different games, clearly. Absolutely. And so I don't know what to make of this one because it is a game seven. Anything can happen. Uh, it's basically full on overtime. I really don't know what to. And again, the Islanders are riding the wave of momentum, but that hasn't really played a factor for either teams over the no. last three or two games. So who knows what's going to happen in this one? Well, the Islanders for sure, for sure have to score first. It's not to say that they will lose if they don't, but if they do score first, that can set them up well going forward for the rest of it. And and of course, that's like obvious, I guess, well, but like they haven't done so in a little while. But right, that's the thing. They play so much better when they're ahead. That That's the thing. That's how they're built. They're not built to put up a five spot most nights. They want to grind you out and win 2-1, 3-2, something like that. So if they do that... And then could go into their you know trap style of play, well then you're playing right into the Islanders' hands. But if it's a free for all and it's chances galore on either side, that's not great because that's right up Tampa's alley. Exactly right. So don't go and attract me with Tampa. You're going to lose without question. It's it's just not gonna not gonna end well for you. 
Um, but I don't know, man. Like, the Islanders have a good chance of winning this game. I don't, I, don't, I sound defeatist because, like, who knows what's going to happen. But um, the Islanders have a good chance in, in taking this game because they're a veteran team. They've got guys who've been there before uh, in, in Game 7 specifically. Um, they is And even with this team, right? They, last they, year. They beat uh, Philly last year in a Game 7. A different team, obviously. But they know how to pull out a win if they need to. They know the system they need to play. They've been doing it for two years now, most of these guys. Uh, it should work. But it's Tampa. Tampa's so good. <laughs> it's Tampa. That's the thing. Like, you could feel confident. And I love, you know, Barry Trotz in a Game 7 situation. Love that for the Islanders. This, like... He's been good as a head coach over the last, you know, I looked at a five, six-year sample size. He, His team in elimination games are, are very good. I think they're up to nine and five now with the win last night, or ten and five, either nine and five or ten and five, something like that. So here are the, the two teams, the, the Islanders, and I don't know why I need to specify this. The last time they played in a game seven, the Islanders won. They beat Philly for nothing. That was in 2020. The last time the Tampa Bay Lightning played a Game 7, it was against the Washington Capitals, and they lost 4 nothing. And that was Barry Trotz's Capitals. That is correct. Okay. So Barry Trotz has won two Game 7s recently um, as A, the Islanders, and against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and has won both of those 4 nothing. is not Vasilevsky 0 for his last two in Game 7s? He is two and zero oh in, or sorry, zero oh and two in game sevens. Simeon Varlamov, though, not a whole lot better. One and three. Okay. So John Cooper two and two. Barry Trotz three and two in game sevens. Uh, that to me that says it's evenly matched. Right, but that that's going to be the stress here because there's nothing saying oh the Islanders have this based off just the record, based off of just the stats. And obviously none of us thought no. they did without even looking at the numbers. But there's nothing where you can dig down and be like, Islanders got this, baby. I'm confident. I'm not. None of us are. And if you are, bottle that up and sell it because I, I need some of that confidence. Yes, yeah, same same here. Uh, it, it's an excitement, but it's also nervous at the same time. It's a hard feeling to describe, but if you have that pit in your stomach, you know what we're going through. Yeah, exactly. So... A lot still left up in the air, right? Like game seven, is Nikita Kudrov going to play? Not that they necessarily need him to win because they were they won 36 games in the regular season and had a plus 34 goal differential without him. But if he doesn't play, that that's something that is advantageous to us. That's a huge storyline. So he only played one shift and he left after he tried to throw a hit on Matt Barzal and then he went off after that. He was also cross-checked by Scott Mayfield on that shift, earlier in the shift. Some are pointing to the Scott Mayfield cross-check and saying that's where he got hurt. Others are pointing to the attempted hit on Matt Barzal. We don't know. We don't have an answer, and we don't have an answer if he's going to be good to go. One way or the other, if he plays or not, doesn't matter. It's still going to be an insanely... It's a tough ask to go on the road and beat a team like this with or without Kucherov. The Islanders still have two wins against this team when he's playing. That's true, too. So, like, it's not really the end of the world if he does play. It's just kind of like, oh, cool, he's in. All right, we'll make sure he doesn't score, guys. Hard to do, obviously. Uh, but still, like, we know we, we've built up a plan to be able to deal with him or try to deal with him. 
So this isn't going to be like, oh my God, what he's playing? Throw out like big panic over by Barry Trotz and Lane Lambert trying to figure out defensive schemes to contain Nikita Kucherov. They've already figured that out by now. No, to me, it's I'm more worried about Point and Hedman, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, Point can't stop scoring, right? Yeah. Um, if we can keep him off the goal sheet, that would be nice, but um, hard to do. No one's been able to do that for nine straight games. That's wild, Insane. right? For nine straight games, they've at least scored a goal, and it has come from Braden Point. Unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. So when we go into game seven, it's going to be tense. It's going to be rough. It's going to be stressful. Uh, but the Islanders have what it takes to pull out a win, assuming they play to their style. Now, the last time they were there, they did not. But if they can play that containing hockey, strong on the blue line, strong on pucks they should be able to do this and like that's not saying a lot that's not a lot to do right the checklist isn't very hard strong in the blue line but you know how to do that you've done it for three years strong on pucks just keep skating that's it and what was the first one i said i don't even forget already doesn't matter rick perry here doesn't matter those two were good enough right there (laughs) fair enough but when i say three i should remember what's coming out of my mouth for me, it's the the fourth line banging around and being the identity. That would yeah, be my right. third to add on to. I don't know if that was your original third, but that would be my piece. Right, because when they're not playing that game, there, there's nothing there, which really bugs me when you hear people say, like, oh, the identity line is the stupidest name for a line ever. Clearly, you've never watched a single game of New York Islanders hockey over the last three-plus years, really. No, and they see... And this is a cliche, but they seem to play their best during the bright lights in the playoffs. Like the, the, it's right right now. I think they're they're really setting the tone for this team. We're seeing it. Yeah, they are. Because what what do they do? Right, they forecheck, they lay the body, and they disrupt. That's the Islanders' system to a T. Yep. That's how they play. So it's pretty it's pretty damn fitting to say that's the identity of the Islanders, and that line encompasses. Or what I'm just saying encompasses encompasses that identity. That that's the perfect name for them. That's it. It they're the identity line. It's not the for every team identity line. It's they are the identity line for the Islanders, and it works when they play to that. Uh, and there's no reason to believe they won't be able to do that in Tampa. Absolutely. Are you worried about JG Pajot going into this game? Because I think he clearly looks like he's playing hurt. A little bit, but he's taking faceoffs and he's winning them, man. Yeah, he was sixty-five percent on the faceoff dot last night. Right, and like I think it was seventy percent or seventy-five, seventy-seven. Either, either way, it doesn't matter. In, in the high sixty-plus percentage in the defensive zone specifically. Um, so he's he's taking draws, like you said, and, and winning them. So and that's that's a big thing for the Islanders. Whether he can score a goal or not. I don't know. It seems like he's got some sort of injury, like you said, maybe a hand injury or wrist injury or something. Or maybe not, because then you'd think he wouldn't be able to take do face-offs. Right. Something's bothering him, maybe lower body then, um, where he's not able to play 100%. So maybe he's playing at, I don't know, 70%. So I, I wouldn't count on him for scoring production or scoring goals. But he'll be able to do the defensive stuff and, and kind of forecheck and at least win a draw, and that's important for the Islanders. Absolutely. Between him and Sezikis, you've got to feel pretty confident when you're throwing those guys out there to get a big face-off. 
Yeah, it, it, exactly. So, um, and, and anyone thinking that um, Oliver Wallstrom was going to play Game 7, please no, stop. It's no, just, just no. not going to happen. No shot. Absolutely not. It, if it wasn't going to happen after Game 4, then when is it going to happen? Yeah. Or 5. Like uh, what's your... Uh, how much ice time does Noah Dobson get in the game? Oh 46 seconds. He gets a, a Kucherov shift. That's about it. Um, I'm going to try to give you a realistic guess. So we're going to say no overtime. Just a regular three-period game. Ten and a half, I'm going to say. Ten and a half? And, okay, yeah. And that's not assuming score or anything like that, right? No, yeah, yeah. Right, because if it's a blowout, then it's going to be more than that, but... Ten and a half is where I'm at, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think ten between ten and twelve minutes. Let's say I don't think it's going to top twelve minutes. No, uh, unless of course, right? They're five nothing up. Then it's like, well, why not? Uh, I, I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a close, like three two game, and it, it's really fifty fifty who that three and who that two goes to. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see ten to twelve minutes max. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think it's a low scoring close game. Yeah, and that that means he's probably not going to get a whole lot of time because Barry Trotz doesn't fully trust him in the D zone yet, uh, which I think he's try he's starting to turn around a little bit because he realizes that yeah he makes mistakes but so do the other guys and I'm going to have to lean on this guy next year so I might as well live with some of these mistakes just a little bit I'll tolerate a little bit more. Yeah, we'll see. Like you said, he's going to have to step up into a bigger role next year so uh eventually barry Trotz is gonna have to start trust trusting him i'm with you there uh anything else on game seven i'm not looking forward to it but still looking forward to it at the same time yeah it's hard to explain the emotions that i'm going through right now i just got like butterflies in my stomach thinking like this the, the islanders are a win away from the stanley cup finals yeah no i i, I know all day today it's been pinching yourself kind of moments yeah, and if they win it, oh my, okay, I'm not kidding, I have myself. Back, snap back to reality, Mitch, here we go. Let's get back to your bread and butter, which is down on the farm and the prospects. All right, first thing I've got on the hopper here is William Tfull traded has been traded, yes, to the St. John's Sea Dogs. Okay, so explain um, So this. he stays within the QMJHL, which is no one expected otherwise. They don't usually, they don't move outside of that. Anyways, um, his team decided we're hitting the rebuild button. We're okay. going for it. We're trying to get the first overall pick at the QMJHL draft. So we started, they, they started trading players. Xavier Simono, Williams Full, two of their better players gone. They, they traded someone else that I now forget. Apparently, I can't remember three things in a series. That's okay. Not, not my day today. Um, but yeah, he's going to the Sea Dogs, who are a good team. They have good players, uh, but they what they need is that consistent goal threat. Right, kind of like the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need a guy who can pop in a goal probably every other game. I mean, again, remember, this is a QMJHL level. So, like, every other game plus. And that's Zafoul, who did it last year, basically, right? He had 17 goals in 23 games for the Drummond Ville de Uh He's a really good forward who's going to play on their top line. I suspect I will be speaking to their GM at some point earlier next week, and I will ask him that specifically. And I, I expect that he's going to say that uh, because in, in the press release that they had for the trade, the GM specifically said, I expect him to have an impact immediately. Yeah. So he, he you'd assume the role is going to be pretty big for him. I, I would assume so. Right. He's going to be 20 later on in the year. Not he, he won't turn 20 soon enough 
to go to the AHL this year. So he's kind of at the end of his career, if you will, at the junior level. Uh, and he's a big kid. So th- that will help him at, at that level to put up points. So look out for the St. John Sea Dogs because they just got their, the weapon that they're looking for offensively. Okay. So going to keep an eye on him there. That's exciting. And then the last thing I have, it's a few, few things altogether. Sure. Uh, I spoke to Sean O'Brien of the Calder Farmstead podcast. They're an AHL podcast. They focus strictly on the AHL. Uh, and I had a bunch of questions that, about the Bridgeport Islanders. Now, I, I spent most of the year watching them, but I may not have been watching them as intently as others, or I may have missed some things, uh, or I haven't I've really been watching them that intently for that long. So I asked him a few things about the team. And the, the, for the first thing I wanted to know is, what happened at the end of the year? Because if we remember correctly, Bridgeport were absolute dog garbage yep. for three quarters of the year. And then the final quarter, they just were unbeatable. I think they won six of the last seven. What the hell happened there? And for him, it seemed that the chemistry that they finally started to, because Brent Thompson juggled the lines all over the place. Oh, yeah, all year long. And he finally settled on something near the end, and that seemed to click. And that being the kids, right? Like you had your top line of Timoshov, Koivula, and Zurando, and it worked. And then you had some flipping around in the middle six, but it was fairly consistent with who was where, and that started to work. Uh, I think what happened here is that Brent Thompson, three-quarters of the way, realized that the vets I've got aren't really that good, um, and so I can't really rely on them to carry the load, which is kind of surprising when you think about Tom Kunakel was not healthy this year. He said so much to a German outlet at the beginning, I think halfway through the year. He's like, yeah, I'm not 100%, or I'm just about at about 90%. And you're like, Tom, you guys have played like close to 12 games, and you're on the top line. What the hell is going on? If you're not healthy enough to play, maybe you should be playing top line minutes. Yeah, clearly. And obviously he won't say like, hey, coach, bump me down. Right. But the coach should be like, hey, are you okay? And be like, oh, I got a little bit of a thing here. All right, or or read the German newspaper at once. Like, come on, Brent. <laughs> or talk to the trainers, maybe. They they should know. Like, yeah, the guy can't like rotate his arms enough. Like, give him the Mighty Ducks thing, right? Like, let him hold a stick out, and if he can't do it, then he can't play top line. That's a great idea. I love that. <laughs> um, and then two more things that we spoke about that I, that I really wanted to bring forward. And again, if you want to find what whatever he covers, which is the AHL. Go to the Calder Farmstead podcast. Um, you can find it anywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, it was Arnaud Zurando and Simon Holmstrom. Now, specifically with Zurando, we saw this kid kind of turn into something in the later half of the year. Uh, what was it? And from what he was watching, it really just wasn't necessarily luck per se, but kind of. Okay. Uh, he wasn't like on tape, the eye test. He didn't pass the eye test. But statistically, he did. He was in the 68th percentile, according to Sean, for forwards in the league. That's good. Right? So, like, he's a top half forward for the league. But when you watch his film, like, he wasn't very – he wasn't physical at all uh, is, is what he was telling me. And and I kind of agree watching him play. Uh, so, like, it's going to be interesting to see if Zerando can replicate that next year. So you're thinking a potential regression candidate? I believe so. This is an early regression candidate is Arnaud Zerando. I hope not. I really want this kid to work out. Like he's a late round pick. So this is found money for the Islanders. 
but um yeah he he needs to to play well next year or keep up what he did this year yeah and Holmes well Holmstrom's not he's a first rounder so what was the take there um still time for him to turn into something like but this was like not that. a good year no I don't like the sound of this match no there's, there's nothing positive if there's anything positive it's that this is a crazy year right like okay. it's maybe not fair to put too much stock into what happened this year because it was 24 games Holmstrom was all over the world almost quite literally this year playing for Team Sweden in the Alvenscons uh, for Bridgeport, just all over the place. So, but he says he's not a physical player, which we all know. He doesn't play defense, but he'll do what the bare minimum defensively. Uh, he's all about offense, but even then, the offense wasn't there this year. Right. That's the thing. If you're going to be an offensive minded player and not put up points, that's uh, it's not going to work here. And one of the things he said is that he seemed to lose a step. Like he, he seemed to have lost a step with his skating. Uh, which he can probably get back, but his skating wasn't as good this year as it was in previous years. So something to look out for there. Like he's not saying that Holmstrom is regressing, but he's also not saying that he's progressing. And so like, it's kind of seemed that it stalled out, which kind of makes sense in a short year, Mm -hmm. but that's not what you want to see from your first round pick two years ago. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. I, I not. guess your your last first round pick, right? That that's true. Yes, right. Because he was 2019. Yeah, that was the last one. So not not a whole lot great there. Uh, in terms of positives, he likes to see. He likes what Bodie Wild is doing. Likes with Samuel Balzuk, Um, But that's kind of fits with what we're seeing. Does not like Brent Thompson. Calls him like maybe the worst coach in terms of X's and O's at at that level. Uh, so, so what you're telling yeah. me is the Islanders have tons of defensive prospects and no forward prospects. I'm stunned, Mitch. This is a <laughs> new development. This has never happened to the Islanders before. No, that's true. Um, but <laughs> if there is a positive, it's look at how things ended last year. Most of those guys will be back uh, there at in Bridgeport. You might not have Otto Cuevola. I expect he might either get traded away to bleed off contracts or picked up by Seattle. Uh but if, if he's not there, they can put in like Colin Adams and probably generate as much. Yeah, that's true. That's probably fair. I would agree with that. So like we might be able to – Brent Thompson, assuming he's still there, and I think he will be. Me too. Uh, could still generate some positivity and some results if he ices and a consistent lineup and rewards offensive-minded players with offensive deployments. Exactly. So Okay. That's it. All of that makes sense. So the, nothing too surprising. Nothing too surprising at at, at all. Uh, but it's good to hear that confirmation, right? That it's not just us. Yes. Right? Like we're not looking at things through an orange and, and, and blue tint. This is someone from outside saying basically the same thing. So like we're not going crazy here. No. Okay. Good to know. Want to do the quiz? Let's do it. So we're at episode 201. I wanted to try something a little bit different with Ooh, the quiz. Okay, okay. So there's no link to 201 anymore. Oh, we threw that out the window. Throw it out the window. Gone with the bathwater. Yesterday's salad is out of here. Oh. I'm picking a random player for whatever reason. Just uh, just pop, whatever name pops in my mind. Boom. Okay, great. Um, 
and I'm same same game. You got five clues to guess who he is. Okay. Ready? Yeah, let's do it up. They they do get progressively easier as well. Okay, thank God. First one. I've played for Medford High, Boston University, HIFK, and Klagenfurter AC. See, my initial gut was gonna say Kiefer Bellows, but that threw me off at the end. So it is not Kiefer Bellows? Okay. Uh, two. I was drafted in the fourth round by Boston. Drafted in the fourth round by Boston. Okay, next. Three. I'm a fan favorite. See, it's not Johnny Boychuk either, because Boston got him in a trade. Okay, I, 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 I'm, you're stumping me so far. Four. I'm seemingly always at the calling. Always. So at like the every game, it's like oh. this person's in the stands. Matt Molson. Ooh, no, good guess, but not him. Okay. Five. Last one. You'll best remember me for scoring a penalty shot on Cujo. Oh, Sean Bates. Yes. Okay, there you go. Good job by you. I like this because I'm, I'm able to get you to go a little bit further. Yes. Um, and I'm having fun finding the clues. So, like, here we go. Good. Very good guess by you. Thank you. Only took 201 episodes, but I think we figured out our gimmick on the quiz. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's what makes it so funny. <laughs> 201 episodes later, we cracked the code. No, I like that. And I had, like, a... A chance. It's not like this player who was drafted in 1992 that played four games for the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good job by you, buddy. Love it. Let's get to the social. Mitch, what do you got for us? First one here is I, I'm sure you've seen the reaction to Bo walking into the locker room. Oh, my God. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, what the hell is going on with Jean-Gabriel Pajot? His body is insane. Right? Like, just kind of like. Oh, he's, he's flexing ripped, hard. Off. Yeah, the abs on him, tremendous. So I worked with uh, his uh, childhood friend of his, his dad. Okay. And, and they, they were all really super close. And so he, he was recounting me like this guy, what he likes to do is go up to you and like give you like a, a, a punch in the gut. Not like full on like yeah, yeah, giving yeah. it to you, but like a nice little tap in the gut. Kind of a dad move thing or an uncle thing. Mm -hmm. And he said, I tried that on Peugeot. My fist hurt. And, and this guy isn't isn't small and he's pretty solid as well. And he's like, I hurt my fist trying to punch him because it was a tree trunk. I, b I believe it. That is the least surprising thing I've ever heard. And, and this was years ago, right? When he was just like, just making his name in, in the Ottawa senators. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a solid, he's not the biggest guy in like stature, but he is solid. Absolutely. So super solid player. Absolutely ripped. Ripped. Um, so like, yeah, you see, but he's there like, ah, and he's the only one. Like they're all cheering, but he's going absolutely mental for his fellow French Canadian. Love, love to see that big. This is a very pro JG Peugeot podcast. And one last one. Yeah, yeah. I did not recognize Matthew Barzell at all. Really? Okay. I thought somehow Derek Broussard broke into the locker room. <laughs> was it the wet hair that threw you off, maybe? It was. It honestly was, because the, the hair fell down the beard, and I was going, who the hell is that person? I know it's not Derek Broussard, but it sure as hell looks like him. Couldn't figure it out. I had to play it like three times, freeze the frames, and be like, oh, like get my, my uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? My, my software to zoom in and look at it, and I was like, oh, 
it's just Matthew Barzell, the guy I see all the time. How did I not see that? By the way, Anders Lee again in that video was tremendous. The pregame speech, dropping a couple F-bombs in there, hyped up. The suit suit game was tremendous, Mitch. His three-piece his three piece suits look immaculate. I love them. I, 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 almost, I almost don't mind him not playing because we get to see him in that suit, which is just a tremendous look. Just, just more suits, please. More three-piece suits because he looks oh, And incredible. he's still great in that leader role while not on the ice. That's how important he is to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So good job, Lee. What's what's yours? My first one is a quote from Anthony Beauvillier, which is just tremendous. If you want to sum up Nassau Coliseum, this is this is it. So he says, feels amazing. To be honest, going into OT, the building smelled like cigarettes and now it smells like beers. That is the most Nassau Coliseum thing I've ever heard in my entire life, because it's true. Between periods, everyone goes outside. They have their they have their smoke. They come back in. And then, well, we know how the game ended and what happened after the game and what was thrown on the ice. So um, the, the, just perfectly on brand. No one is saying the Coliseum is clean, pristine, this beautiful building. No, no, no. It's kind of dumpy, a little trashy, but it's ours. It's a blue-collar building for a blue-collar fan base, and I love it. It's incredible. Like it, it, It's perfect. It, it really is. Um, well, the, the building isn't perfect, right? There's asbestos everywhere. Um, but it, it's going to be a sad day when there are no longer any hockey games played there. No longer any yeah. Islanders hockey games because maybe they'll they'll bring they'll do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be there's not going to be another. I've said it a million times in this playoff, but there's never going to be another building like it. No, there really isn't. So it's gonna it's gonna be a sad day when it's gone. But we're not there yet. Damn it. Nope. What else? Uh, second one here from me comes from Jeff Vayette. I think we all uh, are familiar with him. Um, so Jeff says, pretty great that an elimination game in the NHL's Final Four is being defined by who a depth defenseman decides to cross-check. Now, one thing on this. I don't want to make this just about Jeff. Keep in mind, this this post was written after the second period uh, of, of yesterday's game. But still, this narrative will not go away. It's not going away today. It's not going away tomorrow. It may not even go away next year. I hate it because, um, well, Tampa Bay made some plays that weren't called as well. It's like the Islanders are the only team in NHL history to ever get away with anything when the league has had a cross-checking issue the entire playoffs. Yeah, they're not the only team to maybe, maybe injure a superstar player. They really aren't, right? And like, Stamkos almost took out Brock Nelson. Barclay Goodrow did too. He did it. Brock Nelson last year, face first in the glass. Hey, you didn't like what happened to Stamkos? Guess what happened to Brock Nelson last year? No call on that one. Uh, and then Goodrow again to Casey Zekas. When they were up 8 nothing. he cross-checks Zekas in the numbers, lower back, maybe not the numbers of his lower back, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And no call. So, like, let's... Let's just, we could be talking about a Case Zekas injury and we could be talking about a Brock Nelson injury. It just so happened that it was Kucherov. Yeah, but everyone's got to cry about that. That's a good. That's a great point, Mitch. Yeah. My, you? my last one's from Jeff Capolini. Says, Nassau Coliseum is on the short list of the greatest sports arena the Earth, Earth has ever seen. It just is. Special things happen without any logical explanation as to why. You'll never see a place like this again. And I could not agree more it's 
I, I don't know if you haven't been there or if you're not an Islanders fan, I don't think you get it, but it, it, it's just, I mean, even you were only there, what a couple of times, but tell me how much of a difference did it make actually going and experiencing it? Oh, a world of a difference. It, it doesn't do it justice on TV. It, it really doesn't. Um, when you're there and in it, it's intoxicating. Maybe it's the cigarettes, maybe it's the asbestos. I don't know. Um, yeah, the bathroom lines are long. Yeah, the concessions lines are long. But God damn it, you're not going to find a better atmosphere in North America to watch a, a sport. You're just not. Yeah, go over uh, over the pond and head to Anfield and watch a game there. Yeah, that that's magical. Probably the same thing at Old Trafford. Uh, but here in North America, there's there's no question this is the best sports venue ever. I think so. I'm with you. Uh, my second one, or sorry, third one here comes from Bobby Lots of Numbers. It's the replay guy. Mm-hmm. And he froze a frame from the OT celebration when Bo scores. And someone's got their, like, I don't know, five to eight-year-old <laughs> kid there. Just Hold on. lifting him up for the camera, parading him around. And then he's got side-by-side, side and it's um, it's Simba, right? Being lifted up by Rafiki. <laughs> Did you notice the kid has two different shoes on? I, <laughs> you're right. Neon green and white. This kid knows what he's doing, man. That that's tremendous. Why do I picture like you and Elliot doing that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I would be if I'm sitting front row. I I don't think I'm paying enough attention to my kid. Honestly, like I I have got my face a good like two inches from the glass just in case someone comes in for a hit. Uh, but I I am glued. Yeah, I don't think I could be a parent sitting front row on the glass. No, further back, one hundred percent. But I've never, never sat front front of the ice, so I could only imagine that it's just going to be like completely captivating to just sit and watch like that. No, absolutely. But that was very much a great comparison, by the way, because it did look like the beginning of Lion King. It really did. I I can't understand the first reaction. Like, well, here we go, parade the kid around. Yeah, I, I <laughs> you're right there beside him celebrating. You can see the glass stinking in. Yeah, tipping over. That absolutely insane. Uh, so before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. And we appreciate all the love and support. You could also follow along with us on Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles post game shows for every single game. So for game seven, win, lose, whatever, we got you covered there. Mailbag show, video content, postseason deep, uh, off-season deep dives. There's so much going on on Patreon. Check it out. Uh, you can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, or download the fan-sided app and find us there. Or social media is another good place to find us. Twitter, at eyesonislesfs. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and Y, and Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyesonisles. Mitch, tomorrow or today, by the time this is being listened to, huge day. Huge. Why did you say that? By already the flutters. I already got the flutters and it's tomorrow. Come on, man. That's going to do it on episode 201. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.